1: So Pastor Howie, who can't be here with us today, made me promise not to tell another cat joke. So I got another one. No, no cats. So visitation pastor, not at our church, but another church, and he went down to visit a, a little bit of an older lady in the congregation who had recently had a procedure done. And, and as he sat down and was having a really nice conversation with her, he noticed there was a bowl of peanuts on the bedside. So he started eating the peanuts. And then at the end of the conversation, after he prayed with her, he said, oh, sister, I'm so sorry I ate all your peanuts. She said, that's okay, pastor. I sucked all the chocolate off him anyways.
0: So if you ever come to our house and you see a bowl of nuts, do you you dare take some nuts? (laughs) So good morning, Windsor Christian Fellowship. And live stream people, hello. And live stream people, yes, hello. Um, Today, Pastor RJ and I are really excited to share today's message with you. Um, We wanted to share with you a little bit on a more personal level on just the season of time that God has brought us into in the last four months. And we've entitled this message, The God of Miracles. And in this last four months, God has really brought us into a season of miracles, and it's been Amazing to see his hand at work in our lives and in our extended family. But how many of you know that in the season of miracles has arrived, but before the season of miracles is time. That word time. And there's a season of time, and you're going to hear that word often as we share the message with you that time, a season of time often comes with testing and some trials that you have to walk through. And those seasons of time aren't necessarily a week, two weeks, a month. Um, For us, the season of time that God has brought us through has been several years and years of believing God for breakthrough in area and some hopes and some dreams that we've had. And we're just like, God, like our address is, our phone number is, (laughs) do you know it? Like. Show up any time, please. And in those seasons of time, it's really, really important. They're very pivotal in our lives. That They're checkpoints. God is working in that time. And often in that time, in those seasons of time, he is shaping your character. He's working in your life. And he's preparing you for what's ahead of you. And we need to trust him. But in that, you have to, we decided, you have to make choices. On purpose and be very intentional in those seasons of time. When in the natural it doesn't seem possible. But in those seasons of time you decide on purpose that my faith is not based on my circumstance. My faith is not based on what I can see. My theology is not based on what I can see and what I'm going through right now in my circumstance. But it's based on the word of God. It's based on what the Bible says. Who my God is and what he can do and what he says is true. So in those moments, that is when you make the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And you decide, God, no matter what it looks like, I am going to serve you. No matter what happens, Lord, I'm going to choose to believe that you're good. So it's our hope today that when you leave the service that you feel encouraged to believe and to trust in God that He's good, He's faithful, and that from beginning to end He sees your life, and that you can leave today taking, if you haven't, and no matter what season you're in right now, whether you're in a season of waiting on the Lord, whether you're in this season of being stretched and squeezed so much that it hurts. Don't think that because we're leaders up here that we're somehow immune to the struggle. At times, actually, we have more opportunity to uh, have opportunity to be sanctified in that area of the struggle. Um, but we're with you, alongside you, experiencing life happens to us, too. As leaders and pastors, life happens to us, too. And we have to choose to walk it out daily. So we need to believe and choose in those moments that God is good. And we want, I want you to take a deep breath. When you leave here today and just no matter what your circumstances and just take in the goodness of god today and rest in whatever circumstance you're facing that he is in control and he's still god no matter what
1: so today we're going to be talking about the god of miracles and the first thing we want to talk to you about is seed time and harvest and if you have your bibles with you and you want to go to galatians chapter 6 verse 9 so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. There's that word at just the right time. And so many people, I believe that they don't understand the concept of seed time and harvest. Because see, you plant your seed today, and then time takes place. And then at some point in the future, you reap your harvest. But so many times people get frustrated here or here or there. And they abort the processes of God inside of their life because they don't understand at just the right time. God knows the right time. We think we know the right time, but God knows the right time. And, and what happens is when we're looking at this principle of seed time and harvest, we have to have an understanding of the big picture, not just what's right in front of us today. In Ecclesiastics chapter 11, verse 1, you've probably heard this a dozen different ways, but you know, New Living says, send your grain across the seas, and in time, profits will flow back to you. You can say, give generously, for your gifts will return to you later, a more literal Hebrew rendering, cast your bread or throw your bread on the waters, and after many days, you will find it again. In all of those, there's this period of time that takes place from the time that you sow to the time that you reap. Now I told you earlier, I've been sowing my ties in the kingdom of God since I got born again at age 8, so that's 37 years. Yes, I'm halfway to 90. Wow. <laughs> okay, but I've been sowing in faith and believing God to be involved in my life, and He has never left me without. Amen. And we sow into missions, and we sow into the poor, and we give to all kinds of opportunities that we have to give. But despite that, there seems like there's these seasons where you're kind of going along and it's, it's just enough and God will do a little miracle and you think you're going to get ahead and then something blows up and then you end up kind of yeah. living day to day and you're kind of a little bit frustrated in the process because you're not quite where you want to be. Has anyone ever been there? Now, now I'll qualify this. Like We're not silly people. You live within your means. When we can afford one car, we drove one car. So I walked to work and rollerbladed a lot and then we made arrangements when we needed to be two places at once. Okay, so you live within your means, but you trust God where you're at so he can get you to where you're going, but at times, the struggle is real, and it can be discouraging and frustrating, and has anyone ever been there besides us, or are we just the only ones that have ever been there? Wow, there's a lot of people that were born into privilege, and they've never had a struggle in their whole life, because I didn't see them raise their hands. Maybe you talk to them.
0: They're in denial. They're in denial. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Um, so there's this person in the Bible, his name is Abraham, maybe some of you have heard of him? Okay. So the Bible shares about him that he was a man who hoped against hope. And when I looked in the Bible and I was, or in the dictionary, and I was looking up the definition of hope, and there were several definitions, but I wanted to share with you a couple. And the definition of hope means to look forward with desire and reasonable confidence, Another definition is a feeling that something desired may happen. And the dictionary, interestingly enough, actually listed to hope against hope, the biblical phrase. And their definition of this was to continue to hope, although the outlook does not warrant it. So, there, okay, so when we're trying to understand and make sense in our mind about, you know, what does it mean to hope against hope? Because the hope that Abraham had the first hope was not in a what but we have to understand that it was in a who his hope was in the Lord and in who he is and he is the promise he is God and he's the one who gave the promise and the second hope is that that what i was reading that there's there's that slight margin of there's just a sliver of That's based on what my outward circumstances look like. So if my outward circumstances look like, this is not going to happen. I have very little hope. You've got a little more fear than you got hope. But if your outward circumstances look good, then you're like, I'm hoping so. Like, you got more faith than you got a little more fear. But you got, there's still a sliver there. But when you're hoping against that hope, you're putting your whole Abraham put his whole self, his whole being, into hoping in the who. God, who he says he is, and the promise that he gave. And the word talks about, in Romans 4.18, in the Message Version, I want to read it to you. Isn't that what we've always read in Scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as a father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father. And then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life with a word. Make something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, God believed anyway, deciding to live not on what the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so he was made father of a multitude of peoples. You know, one thing that I know that, is a real benefit to me in my life that i do my best to be real with god like it's it's okay to be angry it's okay god gave us our emotions it's okay to feel sad it's okay to feel grief it's okay to feel sorrow it's okay to go through seasons of discouragement and you're feeling like like i said like god Where's, like? Do you know my phone number? Do you know my address? Like where I'm living right now? Like I'm right here. Like I'm really feeling like I'm invisible right now. He knows already. As Christians, sometimes we feel like we have to hide these things from God. But He's already he already knows. So just lay it all out there. He already knows. So when I'm angry with him, I'm like, God, like, why, did, why, why am I feeling like this? What's going on? But that is the moment. Or I choose, I'm not going to be led by my emotions, right? Because we're not led by our emotions. But I'm choosing to take all of my emotion and all of what I'm feeling, because it's okay to have those feelings to the cross. That's the process of working it through the cross of Christ. Because you know that Jesus felt everything that you're feeling. So you're working it through the cross. And you're saying, God, this is how I'm feeling but you said in your word, your grace is sufficient. You said you'd meet my need. You said you'd do this. And you decide there. My theology is not based on what I can see. My faith is going to be based on the God in the who. So I'm making a choice in that moment. I will hope against hope, Lord. I will hope in who you are. And I believe in the God of who you are. And I'm telling you that if you decide... Before trouble comes, you need to decide before the storm happens that I will choose God. I will choose to serve him. I will choose to believe that he's faithful before the storm happens. Because if I've already made that choice, then when it comes, well, there's no making, there's no, like, wavering if I, well, do I, do I not, or do I yes, or do I not? No, like, yes, I believe. But the process, the struggle of walking it out Sometimes it's hard, church. You feel like you're being squeezed in every direction and you've got nothing left to give. But that is all the more opportunity for you to trust God. Because He said, He's more than enough and He's going to get you through. Amen? Amen.
1: That's
0: what we have. Drama. We have a drama. Des and Kim. Hey
2: guys. Hey. hey Shay. Oh man. Oh. How uh, uh, so, uh,
3: how's it going? Oh man, everything is going so well. You it. Oh, I just wanted to thank you two for <laughs> praying for me and faithfully standing by me. I don't think I could have came this far without your support.
2: Hey, no problem. Our our absolute pleasure.
3: Hey, we're so glad that things have turned around for you, man. Me too. It feels so good to finally have a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. I bet. I bet. I mean, especially since things seem to be going south for so long. Yeah, tell me about it. They were so south I might have been going north again soon.
2: You know, I honestly believe it's that element of time that kind of robs us of our breakthrough. I know so many people who've been dealing with the same thing for just so long that they kind of get, you know, discouraged, but also complacent. They accept the status quo and and forget that God is really a God of miracles.
3: Yeah, you know, I can kind of see how that could happen. But in retrospect, it was that whole waiting process that, it really matured me. Oh, no. I matured a lot, beard and everything. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I could see how that could happen. <laughs> uh, thanks again, guys. I'm, Amen. proud of you. Uh, I'm going to <laughs> go grab a coffee. Hey. All right. That's awesome, I'm isn't it? I'm telling you. Where's your God of miracles? Excuse me? You said last week that if I believed, I would receive anything I asked for. And you said last week... And if I sow, I would reap the harvest. Where's my reaping? I want my reaping! Um, excuse me, I, I don't think we've met. Uh, my name's Dez, and yours is- Oh, that's not important. What is important is seven days. Seven days I've been waiting for my miracle. I want my miracle! Where's my miracle? OK, why don't we just- Oh, us- no! You, sir are nothing but a fraud. Hey! Ah! He's a fraud, and so is his God.
2: Whoa, whoa, wait a minute!
3: Whoa. What was that all about? I'm not sure, but but I think I want to find out. You want to come with me? Yeah, of course.
2: Miss Kim. Oh, hey, hey, sweetie. How are you? Good, how are you doing? I just wanted to say thanks for helping me understand God's word and for praying with me for my parents. Oh, no problem, my president. And I just wanted to tell you that I trust him with all oh, my heart. I know you do, honey. And even though my parents are getting a divorce, I still love him. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry, sweetheart. Wow. I thought things were getting better during their separation. Me too, but I guess things only got better because they weren't together all that much. I can see how that could happen. Wow. Well, this certainly wasn't what we were believing for now, is it? Nope. Sweetheart, I don't know how things are gonna turn around. I don't know what's gonna happen next, but I honestly believe that it's not over. No, it's not. I know it's not. Good for you. You hang in there. I'm gonna keep praying for you, okay? Thank you. Love ya. Hey, hen. See ya. Wow.
1: So, Isabel, make sure you keep praying for your parents.
0: But no divorce.
1: (laughs) So, as Mary was uh, talking a little bit earlier, you know, you're believing for breakthrough. And I I remember a couple years ago, We went through this crazy season where we were on vacation and everything was going great. And then the next thing you know, we were on the side of the road on the Pennsylvania Turnpike with a broken van. And then it kind of turned into a little bit of a struggle was real getting the van back. It took more than a couple weeks to get it fixed. And anyway, we eventually got our van back. And and then um, it broke again. (laughs) So we did all the major repairs on our van. So we basically have a new engine and a new transmission. (laughs) on our old van. (laughs) But I I guess the point is, through that, we had to always be on guard to to keep our attitude positive and to continue to trust God. We
0: definitely had to help each other.
1: And he he always met our need. He always, we were able to pay everything down and, and all that. But you know, you're believing for a good report, and sometimes you don't get the good report that you want.
0: In fact, we got the worst report every time on our van. So, <laughs> it seemed like.
1: But God provided in the test.
0: Yes, He did. You're going to talk about that. Yes. Um, so, like, there's a whole huge long story with the van. But in that season, that what turned out like every everything we were praying for, it came back every time. It was the worst report, and we were just like God, like that's our only vehicle. That's it. Like we got nothing. Like we need to get around. We need to get to work. All of these different things, and. So when we got back to Canada, um, a friend had said, you know what, I'm on vacation this week. You can just take my van, use it. We have two cars. Just take my van or take my car and we'll use it. I was like, you know, thank you, God, you know. And like I said, we were believing. The guy's like, okay, calls us and says, "Ah, actually, it's going to take more than a week. It's going to take like, you know, six to eight weeks because like we have to order the part. I'm like, oh, that's nice. We have to give the car back and we don't have a vehicle. So, and, but in the process of that, with just God working everything out, he provided for our need that, at the time, my brother-in-law, Gary, who was going through RCMP, and he had to go away for school, his car was just sitting there in his driveway, and he was away for months, and my sister-in-law, Tara, was like, take the van. Like, it's just sitting there. Go, take it. Use it, please. Like, for you to use, and we're like, oh my gosh, God, thank you. Like, thank you so much. Like, in the midst of Getting bad report after bad report, he's like, "Don't worry, like you just you have to trust me step by step, trust me." And he met our need every step of the way, and we eventually got our car back. And like Pastor R.J. said, it broke down again, and we were like, "Oh Lord!" And you know, because God provides, and you ever just get to a point where you just want extra to sometimes be extra, and you're like praying, "Okay, what can we do with this? It's extra." Who can we bless? Or what can we do? Maybe we could, like, have a vacation, like, with us, just us two. Like, but it's always, no, we have to put it towards this, or something blows up and something happens, and it's like, oh, Lord, someday is there going to be a season of extra. And it's, he's met our need, and we've been faithful. But the struggle in the process sometimes, it, it it was years that we were, up and down, it seemed like. But God was good through it all, and he met all of our needs, and he was faithful and gave us enough room that we could bless people, but we still had to trust him in the process, that he still had our hopes and our dreams that we were still believing him for. Amen?
1: In Psalms chapter 25, verses 4, 5, and 6, I'm going to talk about, then Mary's going to do 8 to 10 after. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. And there's that word, time again. You know, time is what tempers you. Time is what allows your character to form. Time allows you to mature, as Shane said a moment ago, into the place that God wants you to be. I believe many Christians abort what God has for them because they don't understand that the season of preparation is not time lost. In fact, without the season of preparation, you will never accomplish what God has put you here for. And too many people run ahead of what God's timing is, and then they trip because their character's not developed yet, or they don't have the skill set, or they haven't got the life experience to accomplish those things that God desires for them to do. So there's a season of time, and then it says in there, it talks about how his truth, and he'll teach us. Truth is the word of God. Often when you're looking for direction in your life, you need to look to the word of God, because his word will lead you. And also, his word will teach you. But you have to, A, listen to it, and then B, obey it. And then we get the direction. And then a lot of times people, you know, they, they make these decisions because, you know, oh, I have to make a decision, so I'll make a decision. And then the rest of the time, they just make a decision because they feel like they want to change. But I tell people all the time, what was the last instruction God gave you? Do that. And keep doing that until he gives you a new instruction. Because we get impatient with the process and again, it creates complications in our life. Yeah, His mercy and grace is present, but why would you go around the block again if you don't have to? I mean, how many of you ever gone around the block in life? You gone around the block once or twice? <laughs> Some of you are like, I went around two blocks. <laughs> Ten times! <laughs> you know, it's one thing to miss the turn, but it's another thing to... Uh, miss the turn again and again and again and again right don't we do this
0: so in that same chapter in verses 8 to 10 it says the lord is good and does what is right he shows the proper path to those who go astray he leads the humble in doing right teaching them his way the lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness to all who keep his covenant and obey his commands so we are imperfect people, but we serve an absolute awesome and perfect God. Amen. And in all of our best efforts to serve God, we are human, and there are times where we make a mistake. We make the wrong choice. And, but it says right there that God, in his goodness, he knows your heart, that he's going to nudge you when you go astray. This is the path you're supposed to be on. If you're wandering a little bit, God knows. You ever come to a place in your life where you, you just, you have to make a decision. You have to, like it's one or the other. And you just don't know. You're like, but, oh my gosh, I just can't decide. What do I do? Like, I have to make this decision. I have to pick one or the other. And, and you're just, you haven't been quite settled on it yet. But you have to pick one. So you pick one and you've been trusting God and you believe in God and you've been seeking him. God, what do I do? So you pick one. But in all of that, that is your opportunity right there. It's all the more to trust him. Because he says, "I'll work it all out for your good because beloved, I saw your heart when you made that decision. You were seeking me. You were trying to hear me. You were You were trying to seek my guidance. And in all actuality, He is guiding you. He is. He's showing you that sometimes you're not going to have the big picture, but you need to trust Him. And you just take that step and you make the choice. And you believe that God in His Word says, I will work everything out for your good. And in the big picture of it, you have to trust me. Even when it doesn't look like that, it does. Now, we wanted to share with you, we were sharing that we're in a season of miracles right now. And one of the things that God did for us, and he was really leading us strongly to do this, it just, just did not make sense. It, it made no sense to us in the natural when we have been uh, wanting to sell our house for the last couple of years, but we just couldn't come into agreement on it.
1: Jack, we had intense fellowship about selling our not house. Not that intense, <laughs> but just a
0: little bit. <laughs> We couldn't get an agreement. We had
1: to get an agreement. and,
0: and she... But we agreed that we were busting out of our house. And my girls are, like, getting stuff. And I'm like, guys, I don't got room for my stuff, let alone your stuff. Like, I don't know where to put it all. And we're like, God, like, we, we don't know what to do. Either you give me wisdom on how to make this work in this house. Or, like, we're believing you. We need to move. But we just couldn't come into agreement. And... In this last six months recently, or four months, like just recently in June, my father had passed away. And so, but before his passing, like God had spoke to both, just through a series of divine uh, conversations and just him leading us. And he said, you know, you need to put the house up for sale now. And I'm, I'm, I'm just like, now? Like, God, like my dad's in hospice. I'm driving back and forth to Leamington. I'm, we're doing all of these things. Like we had so much on our plate at the time and we were both, I was like, Now just does not make any sense. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But we both felt a strong prompting and a leading, like, you need to do it now. My timing is now. So we're like, okay, like, we just need to obey. We just need to do this. And, like, within, like, a week, the house was up for sale. But in all of that, like, because I was feeling, you know, overwhelmed. How am I going to do this? Like, we got to, like, but God sent help. When he was telling us to do something, he sent help. And at this one point, I was ready to just sit down and just burst into a puddle of tears because I took I went and bought paint and I was going to paint a few spots on the wall and they tinted the paint wrong it was the wrong color and I'm painting and I'm like this is two different colors I'm gonna cry and I did and I was telling a friend who just happened to be an amazing painter and she's like Mary don't worry I'll come over I got this I will paint everything you you're good I take care of what you need to take care of and I was like God you're so good thank you so much like you said he sent help so, anyway, so I was, I was telling RJ, I'm like, listen, God's telling us to put this house up for sale, then, and we're feeling him strongly. He's, I feel like he's given me a number, and it's a God number. Amen. And I'm like, legit, like, I want a miracle. I want a miracle like that's God, and I want it to not be able to be attributed to anybody else, and I want the real estate agent you to say to
1: understand.
0: me, I have never seen this before.
1: You got to understand, okay? <laughs> we sat down with real estate. We think we can get this much. It may be this much, and this is a good range, and that's a good price. She chose a number higher than that, and I was almost concerned. I didn't choose. God okay, did. okay, but I was, I was almost concerned. Holy that did. she was putting an unrealistic expectation on God, and she was going to be disappointed. Like I was like, oh no, what are we going to do if that happens? And I,
0: and I was, and, and I'm not, huh? I don't, I'm not normally very firm in my persuasion. Anyway, on. this is, I was like, margin. <laughs> I was like, oh, I really feel like. I need you to join in faith with me and believe God for this.
1: So God, God beat so her number.
0: He surpassed <laughs> our number and gave us legit a miracle. And the real estate agent did say to us, I have not seen this before. And it was amazing. He did a miracle for us.
1: So all through that process, he arranged a place for us to stay. We didn't have to go look for a place to stay. People were fighting over us. You come stay with us. No, you come stay with us. It was, it was, it was crazy. And then we, we have a house, and God has set us up. He's got us on the right track. One of the things we wanted to talk about today is believing for lost loved ones. And if you're reading at the, the end of Romans chapter 8, you know, Paul's talking about nothing can separate us from the love of God. And, and he talks about the great victory that we have in God's love. But then he goes into Romans nine and like the tone of the book of Romans changes at that point because then he goes to, I have this great sorrow at the same time that I have this great joy, I have this great sorrow for my lost brothers and sisters, his, his Jewish brothers and sisters. And then Paul goes and he makes this crazy saying, he says, I'd give up my own salvation if they could come to know Jesus. Yes. Now, I love people. I don't know (laughs) if I can make a statement that I love people so much that I'd give up my salvation so they could come in. For sure.
0: (laughs) Good answer. answer.
1: But she's not just people.
0: (laughs) I'm your angel. I'm your buttercup. But see, (laughs) Paul had such a love for
1: the lost that he was willing to put his eternal security on the line so he could win them. I believe that as Christians, we should have a love for the lost. And any Christian that tells me they're not concerned about the lost, I have concerns about your salvation. Because it's a natural byproduct of the new creation that God has put inside of us that we want to see other people get to know Jesus. And furthermore, Paul says, furthermore, I love that word. (laughs) Paul's talking about the people that are his brothers and sisters. It's the people that you have a natural connection with that you most want to see come into the kingdom your close family, your close friends. That's the people that we want to see in the kingdom of God. Go ahead.
0: So another miracle that God did for my family, I'd shared just recently that my father had passed away just recently in early June. And my father through, you know, as far as I can remember, as a very uh, young child, struggled with mental illness. And a more common term is um, schizophrenia. So he, he struggled and heard many voices and um, it was, he was not rarely ever in his right mind and thinking with clarity or thought, uh, sound thought process. So when we found out he was sick, of course it was our prayer that God would lift him up and, and heal him. But more so in earnest, our prayer was, God, please give us some time, a moment of sanity that, and clarity of thought and mind that he can hear the gospel and he can receive you because the time is short. And God is so, so gracious. He's so good. Like, he gave us, like, almost an entire day with him. And where he was able, he was in his right mind. And we're, like, the story is so amazing. Just, but for time's sake, um, he was able, we were able to have conversation with my dad. And we were able to, for him, get things right and ask for forgiveness. And, and, and have peace with us in our relationship with my mom and with my brother and just everything. God was good. And he gave us a miracle. Now, the next day, it was like, he was old. I don't want to say back to his old self again, but back to his old self again. You know, like, But that doesn't diminish the fact that in the end, God gave us a miracle. And when my father, two weeks later, went to be with the Lord, I can say my father went to be with the Lord. I can say that I have hope that God gave us our miracle and that when I go to be with him, he's going to welcome me into the kingdom with my, my, my youngest brother and my grandparents and, you know, all those that have gone before us. My father is going to be among them. And that gives us such peace and hope. Yes, we miss him, and we we're sad for his loss. But we have hope, and that completely surpasses the joy that we, we feel. We feel such joy and peace in our heart knowing my dad is with the Lord. Amen?
1: Which brings us to, even in that situation that you just shared, the miracle you get doesn't always look like the miracle you think you're supposed to get. Amen. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even get the miracle that you're believing for. Yeah. Sometimes the loved one passes away early. Sometimes the child remains sick. Sometimes the marriage doesn't heal. Sometimes the money doesn't come. And what do we do in those moments? Does I, I understand we live in a fallen, sinful world and there's cause and effect and free will and all those things. but does God become any less good no. when you don't receive the miracle you think you should, the way you think you should, when you think you should? Exactly. Does that make him any less God? Does he have, does he not suddenly have your best interest in mind anymore? No. See, there's too many things that we don't know. There's more factors than we know that are at work here. God is good. Do you trust him in the storm? Yes. You know, we started with Ephesians 3. Remember when I came up and read a little bit? And it talks about he loves us more than we even understand. I think personally in his mercy, he often overlooks our ignorance. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a situation like this, but I certainly have where I thought it was devastating, but in hindsight, it was the best thing that could ever happen to me. And see, at the time, we think it's horrible and terrible, but in the process of eternity, God is working out our character and our salvation in us. I'm going to tell you this. God gives you what's best for you, not what you think is best for you. And we have a video. You've all heard the song, The God of Miracles, I think, if you've been here for more than five minutes. You know, we sing that song. But Chris Kilala is the one that wrote that song. He's going to tell you the story of why he wrote that song, if we could play that.
3: My wife and I, we lost our son, as many of you know, back in December. While we were believing for a miracle, things didn't quite turn out how we had expected. But for us, the the journey ahead of us was, can we still proclaim the truth that God is our healer, that God is the God who raises the dead, that that God is good? And so as as we continued on... um, from losing our son, it was really important for us to keep the truth of who God is in front of us. So we started writing songs, and this song um, is about God's miracle power, and for us, was really important to proclaim that, even though we didn't quite see what we had expected and what we were praying for, but we still know that it's true. I know many of you guys were on that journey with us, so for me, it feels like this song is sort of a victory for all of us. These are your songs, too, so...
0: God for a miracle but you're in a season of waiting or you're feeling discouraged you're feeling forgotten you're feeling like God doesn't see you I encourage you this morning come down to the front the altar is open I to receive communion with us this morning the God of heaven is you're you're here the God. church the goodness of God is not tied to a moment in your life or to your circumstance.
1: The goodness of God
0: is eternal. It's it's who He is. It's It's driven by eternity. It's His perspective. The goodness of God, when God created you, do you know that He looked at you and He said, you're good. The creation that I've made, you're good. And He put that goodness his goodness inside of you but the expression of that goodness comes out in different ways in all of us we make the mistake as Christians sometimes to look to the left and look to the right and compare each other's miracles and what God's doing in our lives that is a mistake because you are not supposed to be like anybody else you are unique and you are special God has made you to be where you're supposed to be. So the process of sanctification, the journey of sanctification that God has you on is supposed to be yours. It's not supposed to be somebody else's. It shouldn't look like anyone else's. It's unique. And that's Him working out the goodness, the same goodness He's put in all of us. He's working out that in you it's his gift to you the gifts function together in the body but it's coming out in a different expression in you because he's made you to function in a certain way don't compare yourself to anyone else your DNA it's singular it's unique God made you who you are you were put on this earth to reflect his goodness and his beauty in a unique way don't look to the left or to the right but look up Take a deep breath this morning, and as we receive communion,
3: surrender
0: to the God of miracles and rest, rest in trusting him that he is God, and he's good, and his timing is so perfect in your life. Church, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You have a choice to make. You choose life. Or you choose death. This is your choice. Either you believe that there is a God and he's a creator and he loves you. Or you believe that there is no God. And what do you have? You're born. You live. You die. That's it. That's all there is to life. You live for yourself. You live for nobody else. It's all for me and nobody else. Where's the hope in that church? If you present that to a sane person, either you choose to believe God made me and he made me special. Yeah, it's hard sometimes. Yeah, I'm crying sometimes. Yes, it hurts sometimes. But through that, God is with us, and he helps us, and he's our ever-present help in our time of need. He's our strength. Or you choose death. What, What would you choose? The only hope you have is heaven, church, eternity. Reach out this morning and take it because he's given it freely. So Jesus, today, we receive your body, we receive the bread. And we say today, we surrender to you, to the God of miracles. And even though it doesn't always look like what we want it to look like, Lord, we trust you. We trust you and we believe in who you are. We believe that you're who you say you are and we don't depend and we don't look to our circumstance, but we look to you. And we believe that you're working everything out full circle in our lives. So we receive it with gratefulness and with thanksgiving and with hope today we breathe and take in deeply hope today to believe in the god that we serve in jesus name
1: in the cup is our freedom that christ purchased for us at the cross So Father, I thank you for each and every person here that we can trust you with confidence, that you're giving us our hope back, that we can trade our sorrow for joy, that our bondage is exchanged for freedom. Lord, that the curse is lifted off our life and we can walk in blessing this day and that our hope is restored to the fullness, that we can experience your love even though we don't fully understand it, that we could experience it to a greater and a greater degree this day. We bless your name, Father, as we receive.